1: there. This week's episode is with Julian Spence. Julian is one of my elite running mates based over here in Australia. He's uh, won the Great Ocean Road Marathon on two occasions, going for the third in a row this year. He's won in 2015 and 2016 and pretty impressively split the marathon. That's a 44k race and split the marathon in 224 last year, which is an amazing effort. He's also ran Melbourne Marathon a couple of times in 227 and 226, and we talk about that quite a bit in the podcast, because I um, paced him when he ran 227 the first time, and then he paced me the year after, which was a bit of fun, until he pulled out, of course, and things went pear-shaped. This year, he uh, broke the Bogon to Hotham 64k trail race record, which has stood for 21 years, so a huge achievement there. And midway through last year, he opened the running company Ballarat, a specialist shoe company or shoe store down there and we kind of had some really good conversation about the running industry and where to for the future there Um, great chat great bloke super modest but a champion guy and i think you'll really enjoy this interview cheers i must add that there's a few swear words in this interview so if you've got little kids around maybe a good chance to organize them to be in a different spot enjoy Julian Spence welcome
0: thanks mate thanks for having me
1: thanks for uh, making some time out on your Sunday afternoon have a bit of a chat
0: yeah well you know what Sundays are like mate yeah Hard mornings easy others
1: tell us about that what'd you get out for this morning
0: um long run obviously so down here in Ballarat we normally hook up well I think it's been going on for like 30 or 40 years but 830 am is the meetup point and it varies between two locations so it changes week to week and if you're doing a bit more you might go and do half an hour earlier or half an hour later but if you come to town 8 30 a.m um, today was at the water towers and there's always one 90 minute loop that the boys go out for so you know you can get 90 minutes on whatever sunday you rock up to ballarat um we had a massive group today so it was really fun
1: What's massive, how many
0: Oh I reckon probably fifteen yeah fifteen like solid solid runners,
1: yeah, and it's a pretty hilly loop, too, isn't it the one you do the
0: one the one we did today was we um yeah like it depends who leads it, normally it's whoever the big dog is that day, <laughs> pick the route, and um today we were well, Mona was there, and normally when Mona's there, he tells us where to go, but ash ash watson called the shots today and he um he had us going over what we call the dippers which is like relentlessly up and down and some longer climbs as well so it was pretty much 90 minutes of just non-stop hills
1: yeah and how good's that um, massive massive group of people and all going at a similar pace and having a bit of a chat as you go
0: yeah it, i mean 90 minutes just goes by you have some solid guys just talking shit and making the time fly um by the time you get to like 20k you you you've felt like you've just caught up with with your mates um and i mean if you do half an hour before and half an hour after that's nothing so you're getting you're getting two and a half hours in just catching up it's
1: yeah super. yeah awesome and ash has got comrades coming up hasn't
0: he yeah so he's doing like today was a medium long run for him he went i think he went about um, two and a half hours as well, but in the past few weeks, like he's, he, he goes and does 90 minutes, then meets us for three hours, then does an extra half an hour or so afterwards. Insane. So he's, yeah, he's, uh, I think he plans on, um, doing a few sort of four hour runs before, before that one. Um,
1: how, how far away is it? Uh,
0: 12 weeks.
1: Oh yeah, right. So
0: yeah, he's, he's starting to get fit too, um, and i don't know it's a bit 12 weeks out you kind of start to get worried that's when people get hurt a lot of the time yeah yeah yeah. so it's still a long way to go
1: yeah no i must get him on before he races just to um because he hasn't done anything like that before has he
0: no not really he he's done some like he's done some funny stuff like like he does a lot of sunday doubles and stuff and i think he did one sunday where he did like 30k in the morning and Thirty in the afternoon or something. I
1: think um, I saw that on Strava. Yeah,
0: yeah. He, he, I think he did it just to see what it would feel like. Yeah, bit, a bit strange.
1: As you do, yeah. Yeah. No, it's um. Oh, credit to him though. He's got some awesome times, especially when he was a junior.
0: Mm, he yeah. He's
1: insane. But let's talk about you, mate. Do you want to maybe um introduce yourself a bit? People will be four minutes into this conversation be thinking, who is this guy?
0: Well, uh, I, I tend to sort of know a lot of people whether it's through the running industry um footy circles down here i used to play a bit of football i would play cricket so a lot of people that i um i know a lot of people through the sports industry and and being part of the running community is i guess what i do now so i own a running store in ballarat um used to work at the one in geelong i um helped out organizing geelong region cross country for a while so you tend to sort of form Pretty good relationships with people, and you, you 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 talk to people from other clubs, and maybe from other stores, or that work for different brands, and um, I yeah, I feel like a part of that running community pretty strongly now. Um, I I like it a lot, so it's so fun to, I guess, go for a run in the morning and then head into a, a, a store that, that um, we can make and we can, we can mold to however we like, but really just talk running all day long. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people like, like we struggle with talking about running with other workmates that they have or with their family. And we, we have people coming in asking us to talk about running. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of fun there.
1: Yeah, so you're pretty modest as well because you're also an elite runner. You've won the Great Ocean Road Marathon twice. You're the record holder for the um, the hotham Trail Race um, and, as you said, own the, the running company, Ballarat. When did it all start in the running world? Um,
0: oh, I mean, we all did, like, school cross-country and stuff and um, I, I, I had, a, like, no, tra- no training or anything, but I seemed to go okay in that. But i never really got into running until i was about probably 21 or 22. um i quit playing footy because i was really enjoying the running we were doing in pre-season and um wanted to enter a few events and like footy just i'm not a big guy so i used to get beat up a fair bit on the field and um i would be too sore to actually do the running i wanted during winter so i decided to call call it quits one summer and just 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 started running I got a bit of guidance from um, Brett Coleman from Geelong. He he was pretty good in sort of showing me the ropes as to what to do. Uh, eventually, like I did, I, I went the wrong way, like the opposite way to what most people do in that you know, start shorter, low mileage and creep up, whereas I just sort of felt like I was a bit older and probably not very smart, didn't know anything about running and just jumped into to trying to do marathons straight away. And, I mean, it only works, you can only get away with that for a certain amount of time. So from about 2009 when I started running, I was consistently injured to probably 2014 when I really started to, to, I guess, string some months together without breaking down.
1: Yeah, my first memory of you was um, I remember Ryan Christian who were down at State 5K Champs one night at Lakeside. Oh, it might have been – no, it was old Olympic Park. Yeah, yeah. And I'd never heard of you before, and I remember talking to Ryan before the race that he'd been doing a bit of training with you, and um, you, like, come out, and I reckon I ran, like, 14.45 or forty-seven or something that day, and I reckon you would have been, like, 14.30 and you just kind of come out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, it was – I was training with um, Sean Kravitz, who, and and our coach, I was getting coached by Mark Gorski at the time, and I was, like, I was super raw, like, very low mileage, but had this massive chip on my shoulder thinking, like, I want to be here now, and I want to, I want to prove, like, that was the race that I thought I'm going to, I need to beat some guys today just to prove, like, that I deserve to be here. And um, that was probably the first race I reckon I ever beat Sean in, like in training, he used to smash me, and so I remember that race finishing and going, okay now it's now we can start to build because before that it was like oh, i'd done nothing, and I was always injured, and um I remember sort of seeing guys in the, that field and pegging it as as something that I really wanted to do well in yeah. but yeah, and even since then, a lot of the guys from that race they still run today and they 've like There's some guys there that have run way faster, like yourself, who have just improved dramatically from back then. Oh,
1: yeah. Similar. Well, probably at similar spots. I think that was my first ever track 5K. I think I put my PB down as about 20 seconds quicker than it actually was just so I could get a run in that A grade. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That would be the same with me for sure.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, And it was kind of interesting that first 5K because you're so used to doing like 15s and 3s. Well, I was probably the opposite to you. I come from the shorter stuff going up Mm. and. um, yeah, it's a long way, that last 2K, and I remember finding it very difficult, and you guys went past and smashed me.
0: Yeah, and, you like, I had no uh, – splits weren't relevant to me, so I was hearing, like, um, Scrivo at the time was Ryan's coach, and he would, he would shout the splits out, um, and I was sticking pretty close to Ryan just because I didn't know what the hell to do. <laughs> so I thought he's ran where I'm at. I'll just stick to him for a bit. And so he was shouting all really these splits out. And I'm like, mm, I wonder if that's good or bad or fast. Or does that mean we should speed up? And in the end, you, you just, I mean, you're, you're on your threshold and you know, like, you're pretty, most runners know when they can't go any faster. And that was definitely us at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I do remember maybe like <laughs> two laps to go, going past you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was fond of memories, I'm sure.
0: And then Ryan would have gone past you and no one would've liked that.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, nah, Ryan was always good though. I was thinking the other day how good he was for um like even starting that Steigen race. Mm. Like, did you have much to do with that as well? Or was that just more him and Brett to get that off the ground?
0: Yeah, they definitely put the work in on that one. Like it used to be the Geelong Ten K Championships. Um, and then they just like it was basically Brett who said Oh, we've got no good 10ks. I want to run a fast 10k, and so he invited all his mates down from Melbourne and put some beer on at the end, and then Steigen and started to give away some socks, and then it just grew from there, and now it's a, it's this probably the second best 10k in Victoria.
1: Yeah, I remember. Yeah, we still stayed at the caravan park, and there was just eskies <laughs> of beer, and yeah, it was unreal.
0: It was a fun time. It was um, pretty, and, yeah, pretty
1: raw, which was really good.
0: Yeah, and just a bunch of guys who want to run as fast as they can and no one cared about winning, really. It was just like, oh, there was one year that, that uh, <laughs> turned into a bit of a race at the end, but most of the time it was trying to break a PB.
1: Yeah, spot on. And even I remember that year we, um, we all got to request a song and it would go yeah. over like the PA and, yeah, it was fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, 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 that was Ryan, – Ryan played a part, but Brett Coleman drove that boat and yeah. – um he's still the driving force behind the 10k anyway now
1: yeah it was yeah. probably more ryan's like confidence just to put put everyone together
0: ryan had big contacts too yeah. and would just, like tell people bullshit about how many other people are going to be there and <laughs> in the end just marketed himself got this race going
1: yeah no nah, spot on but back to you though so finished playing footy slowly got into the running you were over in the states though, at one stage weren't you
0: yeah i i lucked on to that like pretty big um I was there I I was doing went back to uni like I was a laborer um for my dad he was a builder so I was doing that for a long time and it just wasn't agreeing with the running like I was out there all day just digging holes carrying bricks doing just shit jobs and I'd be fucked for like the end of my the end of the day I have to go and run now and I was just spent so I thought this, if I'm going to get better at running, I have to get rid of this job. So I ended up going back to uni. um, And the first year was so like, you can just train so much better at uni. You basically, (laughs) you don't have to go that often and you have late mornings. And um, I decided, oh, I'm going to go on exchange to America. But I wanted to go somewhere where I could continue to run and I ended up finding this school like this division two school that was quite strong and had even though like there's no they didn't recruit like fantastic athletes but they had a really good program where guys worked hard and improved a lot um so I kind of just sent a few messages to the coach and he was he he didn't really think it would ever happen and then one day I sent, sent him an email I'm like oh yeah I'll be in San Francisco in a few days like how do I get to Chico, which is the school? he's like, "Oh shit, it happened cool <laughs> and so I ended up just sort of running with that team for the um the semester and made some really good friends and saw how it is to to be a dedicated athlete like a college athlete um, and it's you see a team there as well, like the college teams that it's like playing footy again, you really care about the guys next to you and you're running not just for yourself, you're running for someone else um that's different to over here like I kind of tried to instill a bit of that in the Geelong team that we had going when we won the premiership and that was awesome but it doesn't happen very often
1: yeah what about like the support and like the expectations to race and what was that all like over there
0: oh it was just chilled out like it, it no one no one really put you in a position that you didn't want to be in that's for sure um you might get asked to run a 1500 at an event just to get some points, but that's why you're there. Like you you kind of love that we get another race. um, It's spread over. Normally the meets go for two to three days. So you might run a 15 on the first day and then have the 5k late on the second day. So like it's, it's intensive, but it's fun. And that's, it's kind of what it's all about is scoring, scoring points for the team.
1: Yeah, for sure. Before we go on, we might just give a bit of context. Do you want to go through your, um, your PBs from 3K up to the marathon?
0: Okay. Um, so 3K, 8, 19. 5K is 14, 19. And um, 10K, I run 30, 40. Huff is maybe like 68, 20 or something. Um, and the marathon, I ran two twenty four oh seven at Great Ocean Road last year.
1: Which we'll talk about that a bit later on, because that's insane. Like, knowing that course, and that's a split, isn't it? Like, the race is 45k or something, isn't it? 44?
0: Uh, yeah, 44 and a half. It works out, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you've come back from the States. Is that when you started training with those boys and you kind of, like, Julian Spencers arrived? Was that where we're up to?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. Coming back from the States, again, just got injured. So, basically disappeared from the map for freaking two years. Um, had... Oh, what did I sort of I was I did an ultra marathon when I came back like I was just so injured I was so over and I thought I'm gonna try something different here I'm gonna just get out and run long and not do much intensity and I Entered a hundred K race and did that down on the great ocean walk and it, it sort of <laughs> was different, but I got I got an injury again after that race. So that put me back and um
1: Okay, what that, kind of pace were you clocking?
0: Oh I For the 100 average, I think I was like 5.58 or something, Um, but that includes sitting down time and it includes like walking tons that I was, like sitting on a chair just at the top of a hill thinking, this is the stupidest thing that I've ever done. And I can't get to any cars, if I had a car there, I would just drive home, but (laughs) yeah, this. The upsetting thing was it was like another forty-five minutes until I would get to to an aid station where I actually could get in a car. But with the ultras, by that stage, you've reached a high again. It's like a roller coaster. So, um, yeah, we, that was at the Great Ocean Walk. You run from um you run from Apollo Bay to the Twelve Apostles along the cliffs and the beaches and stuff, and um it's a it's like one of the best. Trails that I've ever been on in my life.
1: Yeah, I could imagine you pretty scenic.
0: Yeah, it's real nice um, yeah. There's spots down there that like you can't get to unless you're hiking in so It's it's isolated and it's it's wild. It's right on like the, the bite like Cape Otway. You run past Cape, Cape Otway lighthouse um, So it's pretty it's pretty exposed that you can get some good days and you can have some some shockers down there
1: So you get yourself right after being injured for a while enter a hundred K race and get yourself injured again
0: yeah yeah so say say goodbye to the next
1: six months yeah
0: (laughs) um and then just slowly from there started working at the running company and um in Geelong and just slowly like regaining fitness and and doing it bit by bit so not getting carried away and yeah it just it just started to click a bit um I wouldn't have like three four month gaps with injuries so I got this really good build up going for Melbourne two thousand fourteen. And um I was I thought I was like I was getting having some really I was following training by a guy called Scott Nicholas, who is the um owner of a running company. Yeah.
1: So how important was that for you?
0: Yeah, that I mean he he changed my thinking on how to train for events. Um he was he has some pretty good heritage, like as a runner himself and as a coach, he was assistant coach to Vin LaNana at Stanford University. And he was, he used to work for Nike in Oregon and it would, I'm, I'm pretty sure Alberto coached him to a couple of his marathons. Um, used to go out on the bike with him and give him drinks on his long runs. So he, he's got this philosophy, he's got different philosophies to sort of how a lot of the guys in Australia do it so he kind of explained to me like why we do things and and how it it kind of it's very similar to josh harris training actually um it's very specific stuff so like there's the australian system i guess we call it um which is mono tuesday or speed work thursday hills saturday mid-long on wednesday and a long run sunday which is like just what you do year round um but this is all about being specific for the exact race that you're gonna do and spending a lot of time at race pace um, and running distances that are probably a little bit closer to race pace uh, in training. So I guess as an example, workout wise, there's a lot of long tempos involved. There's a lot of long marathon, uh, oh well, Basically one of, the, one of the key sessions is 40K at about 90 to 95% of your marathon pace. So if, if you're trying to run 320, then you, the idea is to run about 326 to 330 um, for 40K, just probably about three to four weeks before the race. And it sounds really difficult, but if you progress through that training system, you actually, it, it, it doesn't feel difficult at all. Um, and, and the race is supposed to be just the next progression of that. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting system. And I really think like I got very fit off it, but I got injured right before, um, the race probably about two weeks before and just, just did my hit. I was just way too focused on running a certain time. And I, as soon as you, you drop off that certain pace that you're aimed for, for like four or five months. Your head, your headspace is ruined, and um, I didn't adjust very well to that. So the race panned out really poorly.
1: <laughs> well, that's um, go back to the training a bit though, because talking about Josh, like we had him on a couple of weeks ago, and he said the same thing. And we we're kind of talking about if you can survive it, you'll mm-hmm. you'll run a good marathon, and you might might take you a couple of build-ups. So, like if you can do two or three of those build-ups, I guess probably for him, he's just banked that. And now he's gone out and ran two seventeen um and scott was he was 218 guy wasn't
0: he he was a 218 guy but he he was a better runner like he'll he'll be the first to admit that he should have gone faster than that and he i he did one of those 40 kilometer runs in training and i think he was averaging the pace that he like to run 214 so he, he was probably in two i think he sort of says he was in about 212 shape and then um he had a similar issue to me, he, like got injured right before it, which may or may not be a <laughs> trending thing with that program, but um he, yeah he he ran that forty k tempo at two fourteen pace and was only two point two k from running that that run yeah, and that, crazy. yeah, so that's what Josh does a lot too, is that you see that like he he's training um, his training runs are super impressive, but now that he's run two they're not that impressive anymore yeah <laughs> so they were a lot closer to his old marathon pr and a lot of guys were going oh why is he out there doing this like he's basically running a marathon every week but it doesn't he was never a 222 guy he was the 270 guy he just hadn't run it yet
1: oh mate when i was 50 seconds be- or 50 uh, meters behind him halfway through berlin i was thinking the same thing because i knew my preparation and i knew his because i was following mm. him on strava and i was like uh this shouldn't be right here like yeah It just took him a while to get there
0: yeah and um he he's stuck at it and he got it done and now like what's next now now that he knows he can do it obviously it was something sort of maybe a little bit psychological for him um on race day but cuz you know he could have done it in training he looked through his training and go this guy's going to run to 16 to he just never did it now <laughs> it's done and he'll probably Look for that next goal.
1: Yeah, for sure. So that 40K tempo, what else would you do?
0: Um, During the week, we would do like a long tempo at marathon pace. So you would start sort of earlier in the program, 14K, and you would build up to maybe 20 to 22K at marathon pace. Um, Just as a weekly session, Uh, I did some workouts like – Oh, well, these are some of the workouts that kind of I've looked at and done for the next, like for last year's Great Ocean Road. um, I did a similar program, but I adjusted it myself a little more. And I progressed from doing, I would do like a long interval session and I progressed from doing, I think it was probably about 5 by 3K at marathon pace with 1K float at about 85% of marathon pace. So... In the end, you're getting a 20k interval session, really, or a fart not really intervals, but because you're not stopping. So it's um, that progresses to going up. And I think the biggest one that I did was uh, I think I did four by six K at marathon pace with one K float. So nearly 30 K of workout.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but really only 24 K at marathon pace with float recoveries.
1: Yeah. I reckon, yeah, I did the same. I just started experimenting with some of those ones before Berlin last year. And I remember I did 5x5K with 1K float. So it was 30K Mm. all up Yeah. and um, ended up averaging like 320 for the 30K. And then I kind of knew that, you know, that would be a similar pace that I could hold for a marathon.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. you You know, after doing like eight weeks of workouts like that, you know what it should feel like and you know if you're not on, and you know what two seconds off that pace feels like. Yes. But, um, um, it just gives you this amazing, like, um, intuitive rhythm. Yeah. I, I, that's why I like it.
1: Yeah. And you've got to be super careful with these sessions, though. Like, if people are listening to this thinking, oh, I'm going to try bang that out tomorrow morning, what would you say to that?
0: Oh, yeah, you're going to hate it. Firstly, you're going to hate it. It's going to feel like, uh, like... It has to be progressed. So, in this, at the start, the very beginning, I might do 400s at this pace, and and the 400 it will be at marathon pace, and then you'll just float it with maybe 400. And so the next week we might take it to like oh, one is and then as we get towards that, um, the closer you get to that peak, which is that the the race, the longer time you spend at marathon pace, um, but. I think it's very strenuous so instead of doing that every week like I did in the last build up like f- for this year's marathon I'm going to do it every second week so um I'm going to try to take a little bit of stress off the body and maybe not work as hard in the build up
1: and then alternate that with a, like a long run a traditional long run the other week week
0: yeah yeah definitely so I might go like long tempo on the wednesday. Sunday will be an easy an easy um long run, maybe like 40k but in the bush just casual pace. And then the wednesday to follow, I might do say like a traditional workout like a well I guess we'll call it an Australian type workout like a a look or something. Yeah. And then on the sunday I might go that now I might go 16k easy and then I might come home 16k at marathon pace or I might do um, 40k at 90% or 95% and Like use that as the very hard workout for the week.
1: Yeah And you've almost got to do the training to be able to do this training Like you can't just jump yeah. into it straight away yeah. you has got to build.
0: Yeah, so this is like we're talking about the the final sort of seven to eight weeks of the Training block, but before that we're like doing more general training training the range of systems Um basically to prepare yourself to be able to handle these workouts
1: yeah for sure and are you going to do great ocean road is that what you're talking about next marathon
0: yeah yeah so uh i like it there i don't think it's as slow as everyone sort of says it is um it is hilly but it's not hilly where you can't pick up the pace on the downhills to make up for the uphills yeah so some courses are hilly where you go up and you think shit that was Half it knocked my pace, and down the other side, you're like, "Damn, it's so steep, I can't run fast." Uh, that's going to hurt you. But if on gradation Road, like gradual decline in pace up the hill, gradual increase in pace down the hill, and you've got a more even, like you've got an even pace there. Yeah. So, like I, I don't, I'm not scared of it. Um, like I guess if you looked at the profile map, you could, but I, I, I think you can run faster
1: Anyone ever won it three years in a row?
0: Oh, I don't know. I can't find results from like two years ago. It changed hands and before that they uh, – I don't know. The Kenyans – some Kenyans come over. They used to pay Kenyans to come out and do it. and um, They weren't very good ones, but they were still running probably like 220, I think, out there.
1: And didn't and they like used to win like nearly every event? Like they do two events on a Saturday yeah. and win the marathon on Sunday?
0: They would. They would just cash up. Yeah. <laughs> and they were, they were like – some serious e grade Kenyans that were just from farms and stuff i don 't know how they found them, how they afforded to get here. There was always a visa bungle and they would be at the airport like the night before the race, not being allowed in the country and um, everyone like no, everyone questioned why 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 are we doing this? why are we bringing these guys out, paying for them to come out, basically just like giving them all this money, and they don 't even speak english they 're not there media stuff is terrible but I think John Craven who used to run the um, uh, I forget what his company's called but he used to put that race on and he used to um, organise the Otway Classic which was the, uh, the really prestigious relay event out in um, Apollo Bay when all the big guns came over like just the, the best guys in the world would be coming down for this um, Otway Classic and he he wanted to bring a bit of that back to the town but it just never took off like that
1: yeah so you ran 237 when you won in 2015 233 last year and that was a shocking day I did the half marathon mm. and it was just windy and I don't know how you did it I think you pretty yeah. much ran the second half quicker than I ran a half and yeah you uh, smashed no. it.
0: I don't know I I was having like the best day that I've ever had and I rolled through in 69-something through halfway and just was thinking, oh, this is it. This is the day that I run 220. And kept going, like got to about 25K and thought, I still feel amazing. And then like you hit the hill there and I'd always like, you know the course, so you keep a little bit back. I had a mate, Brett, Brett Coleman, he was coming out on his bike from Apollo Bay and I sort of said, oh, what's the back like? And he goes, oh, <laughs> he didn't really want to tell me. Because as soon as we got up around that corner at Cape Patton, you just f- full on into the strongest headwind that you can imagine. And it, running down that hill in the past, that's where you pick up. You, your pace can go from like, say you're running 330s, you can run like 305s down that hill and it feels like you have a low heart rate. So with what happened this year is you turned into that wind and you had to push down the hill to keep your pace. That's how windy it was. Mm. So uh, it, I, know, I knew it wasn't on then. It was just about trying to maintain and not not look too embarrassing in the splits are afterwards.
1: <laughs> I heard – um, oh, this isn't the opinion I have, but I heard someone – I don't know where it was. So I remember the comment that it was a waste of a marathon, the fact that you had split at 224 on a course like that mm-hmm. when you could have went to Japan and ran 219 for that kind of similar effort or – what are your thoughts on that
0: yeah yeah like i i i think if you're looking at your time as being like the number one thing to take away from it then yes that makes heaps of sense like why would you go and do that however the race offers three thousand dollars for a win um
1: and and hometown
0: and it's the one that i like to do exactly like all my friends are there it was the race that we, we launched the store that day or, like, we announced the store's opening that day. Uh, we had a bunch of guys out there in our tops and it just I finished and I, it was, like, some pretty good, like, interviews about the store and stuff. So that was, like, the perfect race for, for me at that time. Yeah. I, like, it's the home marathon, so you have to do your home marathon. Mate, um,
1: it's, it's just winning a marathon, especially that's a big one. You take out Gold yeah. Coast, Melbourne, Sydney, like really what else have you got? Maybe Canberra is probably about level, but that's a big high-profile race.
0: Yeah, It's funny that no one goes there anymore. Like <laughs> it's a lot of money. It's not that slow. It's a lot of build-up. Like say you have a sponsor who wants you to do well, then like I encourage people to come down and do it. I, I wish more people would. It would sort of make it more prestigious, make it a little less lonely sometimes out on the course. Yeah. So, I, I, I can't wait for people to come. I think there are guys coming this year, so that would be good.
1: Yeah, who's coming?
0: Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Sh- I, I just heard a few whispers. I don't know for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, I know that there's been a bit of talk about someone coming down. Because, I mean, three grand, that's a lot of money for people. That that's, that takes you overseas. Yeah. Why wouldn't you come and do that? Especially if it's not like that's. If you can get. There's guys out there that can run 222 and not and run the next day, so they could do that and win three grand if they wanted.
1: And then you bang out a quick one in um, spring.
0: That exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Beautiful. Ten weeks away. Good luck with the training, gear enough for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm going to – I've committed to following the the, uh, the system for this marathon, so I've decided to train the way that uh, Mona trained for his um, as much as possible. I thought – all the boys down here do it I want to train with a group for a while and I, I thought let's like let's experiment a little bit and I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it so it's gonna be interesting on the day because I won't have those long workouts in me but I'll have um, a similar proven me- method of training
1: so that interests me though you've just banged on about how good this other system is yeah and now you're flipping that on the head saying I'm gonna stick with the um, the Australian system
0: yeah well Um, I reckon I'm still like too young and fresh and inexperienced to be able to decide on something so early. I think I need to try a few things and learn how different systems work before I make a call on what I think is the best system. Um, And that's part of me doing it like this is I'm going to see how it goes. Like is, he's, I mean, obviously a legend. He ran 208 off doing exactly the same thing every day at 15 years that I know like it won't work for everyone, but It's good to try it if it works and see if it works for you.
1: Yeah, so Monday Friday is easy I can modify like, a, fart, yeah, like yeah. a Tuesday session
0: Pretty much a fart, like 20 minutes or something round about that six by 1k. Maybe yeah, and then uh, Wednesdays we do well mid long run for most people um, Thursdays is speed work. So it's 300s 400s or 200s basically Um, And then Saturdays is hill loop. So we have a few, we have some sort of tempo loops around here that are just really hilly. You do about 6K tempo work. on, And um, Sunday is long run, like in the bush. And it's all surrounded by plenty of mileage. So you get this very strong aerobic base. And and I guess the argument is that He's strong. He knows he can get the distance in for the marathon because of all the extra work, the extra aerobic stuff that he does. So when he runs hard, he wants to make it count, like on, on a Tuesday and a Thursday. Yeah. And right. a Saturday. <laughs> now
1: nah, it'd be interesting to follow your progress there.
0: Yeah, I can't. I, I'm really interested too. Although, like, <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to um, sort of simulate. How it's going to feel at 35K by only running 20-minute hard workouts every every second day.
1: Yeah, yeah. But if you go hard, like, that's still underrated, that fartlek session. Like, it smashes you.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. And I always go out too hard still. Yeah. <laughs> no a matter what. What's your for it. Oh, I'm not sure, actually, because down here, we get sucked in by getting a lake time out of it. Yeah. So Yeah. You start and finish at a, oh well. You start at the spot, and then the lake is like five point nine k. And you you look down and you see what your lake time is, and then like you continue going. But uh, I'm not exactly sure when I where I finish up. I think it, yeah, I don't know exactly. But um, I, I just we normally just look at our lake times. But it's a, it sucks you in, and then you try to race yourself every session. Um, I think we need to mix up where we do it a little bit.
1: Yeah, and it gets to the second half, and you're not sure if you're, like, on a float or an effort. Like, it just yeah. blends together because you just smash. Yeah.
0: It turns into a tempo.
1: Yeah, I know exactly that feeling. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about Melbourne Marathons, 2014, 2016. Oh, yes, yeah, you've kind of touched on it before. I paced you through that first half, and you were um, aiming for that 220 in 2014.
0: Yeah, yep. so, like... 2.20 that day was going to happen I, – uh, I reckon looking back, I was probably about a 10% chance to run 2.20 that day, given the little bit of oh, – or the, the real injury niggles I had beforehand and where I was at mentally. It, it would have had to go perfect to run 2.20, yet we went out at 2.20 pace. Not the right thing to do, really. And <laughs> it just puts you on this line and there's only like – 90% chance it goes the other way, basically. So it's how you deal with it when it starts going the other way and not during that, that event. Like that was pretty – I was really almost embarrassed about how that happened because I, I was just so intent on running a certain time that I didn't run, want to run any other time. And then it doesn't work like that in the marathon. Like things go wrong. It's about sort of how you handle w- when things go wrong and I handled it very poorly. So I ended up running 227. I think we went through in 70, so it was pretty, just pretty, pretty average.
1: <laughs> what do you mean you handled it poorly? Talk to us more about that. Oh, uh, like, you start
0: to get these real negative thoughts, Um, say about 25K, and it starts to get hard, and you think, today's not it. Like, I just ran a 330K. That means I have to find 10 seconds somewhere else down the road, and I feel like shit. So it's never going to happen. Um. Then the next K, like my watch was giving me way too much feedback. I was just constantly getting disappointed by seeing slower split splits. And then it, it gets to a point where, you, like in, in that race, I got to a point running along, back along St Kilda Road, going, oh, I don't need to be here anymore. I've already run 227. I don't care. Like, what's the point in finishing? Um, I don't want to run 225 or not to run 220. So, you're, just, you're getting dissatisfied with whatever you're going to see at the end. Um, and it, negativity in the second half of a marathon is always going to produce a bad result. Uh, it, it's, it is a, the marathon is so difficult that you have to have a positive outlook during the entire race, I think. You can't let anything slip in, otherwise it will crumble you. And that's what happened with me, like too many negative thoughts during from the 25 to 30K mark. And then from then on, it was like, oh, the race is over. I'll try to get to the finish. Um, and I was disappointed with how I handled that. So retrospectively, I would have loved to be able to get to the 25K mark and think, all right, I've, I've made a bit of a mistake in the first half. I've gone a bit hard. Let's try to salvage this. Let's, get, let's like get in a nice positive frame of mind let's hit 32k know there's 10k left and just turn the watch off run it as strongly as i can to the finish now um thinking a bit yeah exactly like the the watch the watch is useful in holding yourself back i think in the in the marathon but it's not useful to try to be hitting certain splits because if you're not feeling good enough to hit a certain split, it means you're working outside your capacity and you, you know you can't do that in a marathon. It has to be under your capacity.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, it was even a hot day and, I don't know, I think I was the same boat. Like I went out there 12 months later and you paced me through the halfway and I ran exactly the same. <laughs> kind of. it, was
0: pretty, it was pretty interesting, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it
0: couldn't <laughs> have yeah. Yeah. You looked a lot better than me though when, we, when uh, I dropped you off so I, I was expecting you to ro- roll on
1: yeah but it's a funny thing and I think we probably both were a bit naive go like, I remember thinking yeah probably run under two twenty, 220, 223, I'll tell people because that's probably what you know worst case scenario yep. and um, yeah you'd, yep. like even you know the way we kind of yeah just floated through that first half and it's kind of easy then it gets a bit harder, a bit harder and then just you're gone creeps up on you yeah it doesn't matter how many kind of you know the lactic acid you feel in an 800 or half marathons that you do hard it's just a whole different ball game the marathon yeah
0: it's like it's just a weight on your shoulder that gets heavier and heavier until you can't breathe properly or move and um it, I, we, we just gone too hard in those races mate that was that's what happened then yeah. we went too, we went too hard we were running outside our I guess our fitness, that's how I looked at it, because we had some pre like, conceived idea that 220 is what we can run. Um, we, like, I think we probably can run that if we do it properly, but on that day, 220 was too far away from us. Yeah. So it's and like I the guy who goes to, yeah. Sorry you go. Oh, it's like the guy who goes to run three hours, who goes through in halfway in, in uh, 90 minutes, like on the edge he's going to run three and a half hours that day you just know it
1: yeah and that second half of melbourne's hard like well that's pretty flat it's just lonely and it's a bit windy out there and yeah it just zaps you
0: yeah it you're thinking like that because you have this negative rem- memories of it but mm, there would be there would be like i've heard of some guys who go oh melbourne's fantastic i love coming back along st kilda road and like crossing the bridge, like I just felt great. So it, it's relative, I think. Yeah, true. Yeah.
1: I guess that around that mark though, like that 220 mark, there's not a lot of both, we were kind of solo, the whole, um, you know, you had Kerwin that year and I had a couple of people floating around, but it's very lonely that second half when things are going bad.
0: Mm, yeah, you, there's no one to work off. Um, yeah. All you do is see like flashes of your family or your coach. And, like, you see their face going, oh, shit. <laughs> Should I <laughs> smile? Should I clap? Like, he looks terrible at the moment. Yeah, and
1: yeah my parents didn't even recognize me when I was running <laughs> to the stadium. They're like, nah, that's not him. He doesn't run with that technique.
0: Yeah, yeah, look how bad he was. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and he's wearing the same singlet he was 10K ago, so I think yeah. that's him. <laughs>
0: oh yeah it breaks you down it's a monster
1: it does so then you went back last year 2016 you're in ripping shape but it was just a shocking day wasn't it i was still overseas post berlin
0: yeah well last year i was actually in pretty average shape so i yeah i rocked up with very low expectations i'd hurt my back a few times during the build-up i'd never got any workouts that i thought were good um so I i i was on the start line thinking okay, this could go either way here. And I turned my watch off to not show me splits. Um, I just decided to run with a group. And, and when they slowed down, and <laughs> we slowed down a lot, I just slowed down and just relaxed and thought, this is good. Like, this is fun. I just get to uh, use other people to gauge off. And ran probably like the most comfortable marathon of my life. I'd, I didn't feel... I didn't feel like I had that that real heavy burden on me like towards the end I felt good I felt poppy in the legs and um, there was a bit more of a race feel like there was a pack of guys around and one guy broke off Zach Newman and I thought oh good I'm going to chase him down and um, there were a few guys that had dropped off me so I knew they were around and we were collecting everyone from the front so there's like this real like stimulus going on and positive like again it's like the positivity of passing people and still keeping the guy in front of you within a, a on a leash it, it just drags you through those really hard times um and it like i finished the time wasn't great or anything but it, it was a good finish i think i come fifth out of the like a really solid field so it showed it was a hard day but it also showed what what a difference it can make when you're not a slave to your watch out there
1: yeah, no, that's a good point. But it doesn't matter how quick you are, anyone can take that point on board.
0: Yep. Yeah, definitely. I think feel, like learn how to feel in a marathon and you'll, you don't need a watch. Yeah. If, if, you're, going, if you're at halfway and thinking, oh, this is, this is a little tough, then it's too late. You need to be going through halfway thinking, wow, yeah, this is good. Like I'm, I'm holding, I've got the brakes on. You need to be you need to still have the brakes on at 30k.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 100 percent agree with you. Um, and then so that was October 2016. And then you entered the Bogan Bogan to Hotham. 64K. Yeah,
0: yeah that was like uh that's an iconic race. I don't know yeah. whether you've heard of it before, but it's um it's been going, it was na- like it originally started after a guy tried to do it in winter on skis. So he he had a crack going from Bogong. He skied across across the high plains and everything. And um, then he died, like, I think it was about 3 or 4K from Hotham. So he got, like, 60K out of the 64 to the to the end. But then um, he perished. And so they decided to make a running race after it. And it's been going for ages. A lot of good guys have had a crack at it. it It's known as, like, kilometre or mile for mile the toughest race in the country because of how brutal the climbing and descending is and also because of how you have to actually, like, pick the pace up and run at a decent click across the high plains. So it's it's brutal. Like, anyone who's been up the staircase will know what I'm talking about.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, and that was in, started Jan, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, I, it's, you can't really, uh, unless you live in the high country, you can't run climbs like that and um, prepare properly. So, we climbed, like, I tried to get a bit of climbing in around here, did a 50k run and, and kind of went up there pretty blind, like, as to what the actual course would be like. Uh, it's, I looked down at one point on my watch and I saw two hours, 25, I think, and Shit, this is normally when I stop running. <laughs> like, this is my race over normally, and I'm only at about, well, I think it was probably about 20K or something. Um, so you know you're in for a long day when that happens.
1: Yeah, for sure. But you smashed the record.
0: Oh, I didn't smash it. I, I finished under it just. Um, my watch failed me coming up the last climb, so I had no idea where I was in terms of the record. So, well, I got – basically, like, you climb down – or you climb up a, a, a swindler's spur, which is the last massive climb from the bottom of um, the bottom of Hotham to the top, and it's pretty relentless. But it's also hot there, so the sun starts hitting you later in the day, and you start you get hot. It can't really drink too much because there's not many stops up there, and you're just fatigued in general. But so I was like. I was pretty happy when my watch went because, again, the less that I was seeing, the better at that point. Yeah. Um, and I got to the top and then everyone was shouting at me and I'm like, oh, shit, I must be really close. So I sprinted like the last 100 metres um, and then they said, oh, no, you had four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd done this all-out sprint and just cooked myself when I didn't have to.
1: But stood for 21 years, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, And I'd seen some guys, that had, like some really strong runners who had, had a crack at it so I didn't tell him I think in the end I might have said to a few people oh I'd love to break the record what do you, and I was asking people I'm like what do you think do you think I can do it and then no one would say yes like no one even like Blake this guy uh Blake Hose he's a really good ultra mar- marathoner and he's a trail runner and he's he had a crack the year before or the couple of years before and he um he he was like oh it's a bit tougher than you think. Like, you're not gonna be able to run that fast along the top. And, uh, and I'm like, oh fuck it, I reckon I can do it. And so I went out with a plan to, to run as hard as I can. And, um, in the end, yeah, <laughs> got it by four minutes, which was cool.
1: how the body pull out from that one?
0: Oh, immediately it was the worst that I've ever felt. So, emotionally just destroyed. I, basically, I couldn't even really control, like, I was just a mess at the end, like, didn't know what to think, or I was just so glad it was over. Um, I was, uh, like, upset, like, I wasn't upset, but I was – it just breaks you down. Like, the climbing goes – one of the climbs goes for about 80 minutes long of you just going uphill about 20% gradient, and you you just have these thought process, like, through 80 minutes of just totally uphill walking slash hiking – you, you end up in a position where you, <laughs> you're you just thinking a lot and so to get to the end after all the thinking's done and all the worrying and it's just like a real relief to finish but then I couldn't really move at all and I was very like I was really nauseous um and I think I had some kidney issues but because my back hurt so much um I really like I couldn't maintain like a posture and <laughs> yeah the next day I was actually all right and I came back Fine, like I've been able to run since, and it's been—I've actually pulled up better than a normal marathon.
1: Yeah, right. Maybe there's something to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Walk,
0: walk parts of it, though. That's
1: cool. yeah. What about when you enter those trail races, and 'cause it's a whole different crowd, isn't it? Do they kind of look at you like you're this road runner, two twenty-four marathoner, entering our world?
0: Nah, not at all. There's a oh, lack like, of respect. Like they have their own fanboys. So. They, they build up these trail runners to be like absolute gods and um, they, they don't give the, the road guys much respect at all, even though most of, most of them are running more Ks than the trail guys and are probably better athletes than they are. They, <laughs> they, they'll always be all about the guy who hiked the furthest this day or, um, I don't know, it's a pretty, it's pretty small kind of community. It's changing now, though, because a lot of the faster guys are coming across. Like, on the weekend at Six Foot Track Marathon, Sh- Vlad Shatrov, he's a he's a quality runner, came across one six-foot track. Courtney Atkinson, ex-triathlete, or, I don't know whether he still does it, but he's a gun runner, came across, came second. Thomas DeCanto, who won Melbourne, won that trail race the year before. So it's changing, and people are starting to realise, like, oh, these guys are actually quite good on trails as well. Like, they're still running. It's it's a running race, and the best runner is going to win in the end. So, marathon times like don't mean a lot to these guys. It's more about like, oh, how much elevation did you get in your training this week? It's it's a different different crowd, that's for sure.
1: So when you stand on the start line, are you like, I'll show these blokes just what what I'm about.
0: Oh, a little a little Does bit. give for you sure. nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, and even like. There was an uh, article done by um, their biggest ultra website in the country and they basically talked about this other guy who was on the start line and they said there's only two guys who can break this record um, in the country and one of them's starting this race and it's, a, it's not a question of when he's going to get the record, it's like, is he going to get it this year or not? And I was, <laughs> so, like, I was just reading it going, okay, like, this is actually pissing me off a little bit. Um, this guy's done nothing aside from a few mountain races. And like, they're good. Like, mountain races are great and all, but there's nothing to suggest that he's like this fantastic, amazing runner. And why is the person who has put a few results on the board getting no respect here? Um, and that's just part of like the culture. And it is changing. Like, it, it is the more good runners come across, the more respect they're getting. But it gave me a bit of fire in the belly, definitely reading that.
1: Well, it's changing because of blokes like you. Like You've got that versatility to go to trail, run a road marathon or 10 or half marathon, but you can also jump on the track and run quick.
0: Yeah, I, I think like it's good to – it would be hard to train specifically for like trail races all year. You're going to lose that turnover. Um, you don't run very fast out there. Like it, I think it's good to stay on the track quite often. I think it's good to jump in with the guys for their firelets. The best trail runners are actually doing those things as well it's it's the best runners winning the races so uh, like you're not going to find a guy who can smash out a great marathon who also couldn't run a good 50k or a guy who um is amazing at 12k cross country who wouldn't go and just like kill everyone in the 20k trail race It, it it's just that they don't do it yet
1: yeah, so where do you see the future of trail races is going to be? Like a bloke's going to jump across more money, Kenyans? Yeah,
0: they definitely will. Um, this, like, without going into the details, Blake, you, you might not have heard of him, but he was probably one of the most looked after athletes by a company in Australia, and he's part of the trail running scene. So there's definitely more opportunities now for, for runners to get into the trail and make almost a career out of it like there's some big prize money through europe america has prize money they have like professional trail running teams um the more people get into that stuff like trail running is booming and and there's a lot of ex-triathletes there and guys who skip road running totally who who want to build it like they want to build that that scene and and they do that by jumping on like the young talents like blake and stuff and yeah, if someone wasn't that fussed with road running, then they would, they would get a real life for them in trail running.
1: Yeah, for sure. Watch this space. But even yeah. just being connected with the environment and you know not looking at your splits, and oh, that's what appeals to me about it, to do it one day.
0: Oh, it, It's fun like that, 100%. But there's no difference between what we did today, going out and running. Mona's done it for 30, 40 years, whatever. He's gone out and run on trails every Sunday, come back, and we all talk about how nice that was. That is trail running. No one calls it trail running. We don't wear trail shoes, but we are doing exactly what the trail runners are doing. Um, So we're getting hills in, we're running on single track, we're getting in the bush, like there's no roads involved. So, I mean, it's been going on for so long, it's now that there's a name for it.
1: Mm. For sure. Let's um, change tune, talk about the business, the running company, Ballarat. Yeah. Where'd yep. that come from? Like you're working at the one in Geelong and then you're just like, I can do this, whereabouts, Ballarat, go.
0: <laughs> yeah, you just nailed it. Pretty much. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: business plan.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You we uh, my partner Bree, she um was came and started working at the running company just a bit after I did and we um
1: did you ended meet up her at so, work?
0: Yeah, met her at work, yeah. Dangerous. <laughs> yeah, she uh she she was into the boss.
1: Yeah.
0: I bought a few um, what do you call that?
1: Be careful you, here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, I ended up I was the manager there. Bree was the assistant manager, and we just learnt. And Scott was really great. Like, he showed me how to do everything behind the scenes. Um, he would obviously teach us about the, in, like, the specifics of the footwear because he was very knowledgeable about that, um, how it relates to someone's mechanics how different shoes can help with different injuries, what, um, I guess, what podiatrists and physiotherapists like to see in shoes and how they um, like to be, uh, I guess, have a relationship with their retail partner, which is us in the store. So he, he taught us a lot about building relationships, about the technical aspects of the, the product, but also about running a business. Um, so it got to a point last year where we thought, it's time, like, we're, we're ready to do this. We, um, we were putting a lot of, there were a lot of things at the Geelong store that we were driving ourselves, and we were in a position where we thought, let's drive these things for our benefit now, and where are we going to do it, basically, and there was, we didn't even discuss it. It was like, we're going to go and do it in Ballarat because Ballarat has probably the best running culture in Australia. It's got this heritage of cross-country runners, um, the lake, Wenderee, like it's, it's, it's just been known as a running destination. And we had a lot of the running community coming from Ballarat to our Geelong store. We got to know a lot of people um, so I didn't really have, like, that many connections in Ballarat, breed in either, but we, used, we were coming down for a few months before we actually pulled the, the trigger and I went for a few runs with the group and thought, yeah, this is going to be good. Like, <laughs> uh, we're going to love it down here. And um, we do. We thought it, we, we, we just love it. Like, Ballarat is a really cool place.
1: So there was no hostility about... You know, you're coming in, you're not a local, you're going to try and steal that market?
0: Well, (laughs) yeah, there probably was a little bit. And Ballarat is tight-knit, so they look after their own and they are loyal customers to, like, local business. So when we opened, there was probably a lot of people, and I've heard it sort of through the grapevine that are sort of thinking – What do they want to do in Ballarat? What do they want from us? Um, But it's not really what we're about at all. Like, there was obviously a market for someone to offer a running specialty store in town. So a place where this massive population of runners can come and find things that they can't find anywhere else that they were either travelling to Geelong for or Melbourne for. And basically just we wanted to become a hub where these – the the runners of the town can come in and chat about anything running so it's really cool at the moment we might we might be sitting in work and we'll just have like a local runner come in and he'll tell me about how he used to buy shoes from john foster at the runner's shop which is used to be over the road until it shut down then he'll tell me about everyone's got a mono story, so they'll reel off their mono story, <laughs> And then, <laughs> then they'll be like, oh, so you still go out and run in the group? And you're like, yeah, yeah, the group still leaves at this time. And um, I run for Ballarat Harriers. Oh, the Harriers, yeah, I run with, for those guys too. And you, like, within five minutes, you're just another runner to them. And it's pretty easy to see through someone who's fake and, and there to take advantage, but we just want to provide somewhere for, for runners to feel like they're at home. And, um, I mean, our run club, we do a free run club every Wednesday and it's just like we get 40 people now. Yeah,
1: that's, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's just – and it, it's not like – we don't even do it from the store most nights. So we go out and run on the trails. There's no connection to the store whatsoever. It's just I provide a place for some – like like a, a starting point and if I go and mark a track through the trails and – you can rock up at six. We're all going to leave at six. You don't have to follow us. You can go whenever you want. Like, the, the arrows will be there later if you want to go later. And it's, um, it's yeah, it's just pretty much just about trying to be honest with people and and not take advantage.
1: And it's not like you're, um, you know, you're ripping off the other little shoe store that's been there for 50 years around the corner. Like, you're competing against probably Rebels and Athletes and Big Franchises, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're a different store to that. Like we we fit shoes with a lot more knowledge and experience, for one, um, so without, I'm not going to get in, like, I won't talk about anyone else, but we look at a, when a customer comes in, it, it, before we even get a shoe on the foot, it's probably a, a 10 to 15 minute conversation about what they want from their shoes, where their running's going, what injuries they've had, what they're training for. Um, what their footwear history is and then we then we might look at their foot and so it it's pretty specialist it's never going to be that big because of the time we spend with each person is you can't just be flogging shoes out like every minute it's like normally the fitting process that we go through is about 45 minutes and um you just can't sell that many shoes in a day with this business model but that's not the idea behind the business model isn't to make us millionaires it's it's to give someone a place to come and 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 actually get proper specialized and expert advice
1: yeah there it is right there that line I reckon and um you know I've been to the athletes' sport and oh you know any of those big franchises and there's always you know the seventeen year old kid who's just knocked off school and she's trying to tell me what the best running shoes are and it's a bit of a um. It's a bit of a fraud system if you think about it. Like this kid's probably never ran in their life. They've done some quick course about fitting shoes, and here they are trying to tell you about it.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, we. Yeah, not, I mean I'm not going to go too much into that that sort of thing. But we see a lot of ill fitted shoes come through the door, and people wondering why they're they're not running consistently. Like they're getting injured a lot or they're wondering why their shoes don't feel good and the the footwear and the running industry in Australia is very um, poor, I think. That's why the running company stores, like I guess, have been more successful is because in the past, the shoes haven't been sold properly for one of the reasons is what you've mentioned right there. The other reason is that the marketing of the shoes and the the, I guess the price point of certain sho- shoes is like in the stores that you've been previously gone into, they get marketed as shoes that are for the good runner. So it it doesn't work like that at all. We try to break down this myth that a more expensive shoe is going to be better for you. And it, we see some like, the, the acid, huh, without mentioning brands or anything, but the most expensive shoe in the industry is also the most popular shoe. But it's so niche, it only fits probably, it's only specific for maybe one in every 20 to 30 people who come through our door, Yeah. yet it's the most popular shoe in the industry. So, and you
1: guys don't even have prices on your shoes. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, so we try to take that away because otherwise we would just have people that, want, that are getting sucked in by buying expensive shoes, yeah. thinking it's better for them.
1: Yeah, it's um, pretty smart.
0: Yeah, well... It, <laughs> It can confuse some people, but what it does open up is our conversation with them. So if someone comes in and says, oh, how much is this shoe? I'll say, oh, that's $200. That's so this shoe does this, and it's different from this shoe, which is $260. So the way that we like to do things in here is we want to see your foot and we want to make sure like you're getting into the right shoe. And so it opens up a conversation, whereas previously if you walked into a big... Box store and you just put a shoe on and tried it on yourself. You don't you're not getting any conversation You're not getting any help with your shoes So the main reason for not having a price up there is so that we can actually have a one-on-one discussion with our customer um, Kind of just so that they will trust us a little bit as well.
1: And do you think that's where the running industry is going more specialized?
0: well, it, it should be yeah, I mean for sure <laughs> there's so many shoes out there and there's so many different sorts of feet like at the moment the most the best advice you're getting is asking someone on Facebook, really like you see I see it all the time. Um, that's what works for your mate or what works for you is going to be totally different for what works for me. So why don't we have these ex- like staff members who are experienced? help us with that like mm. I would go to if I was going to buy a bike and invest in a bike, I would go and talk to someone who has been in the bike industry for a long time, fits people to bikes every day, rides the bikes himself, has an interest in bike riding. Like, so why wouldn't you do that with your shoes?
1: Yeah, 100%. And especially the rate that people get injured. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like, you gotta and look after yourself. Certain, like, shoes aren't always a contributing factor, but there are some shoes that can create issues that other shoes don't. And there are some shoes that can help offload certain areas that other shoes don't. So. A spe- say you have like a specific injury the shoe that you're in right now might not be causing it but it might not be offloading the bit that we need to offload or it might be exacerbating it so you can come in and go oh this is my shoe this is my injury can you just tell me about what's going on yeah. and we, we i guess we'll try to provide a, a more or a shoe that minimizes the risk that they're going to get that injury again that's basically it
1: yeah and where can you see that business going forward like do you do online sales, but I guess if you can't see the people there's no point
0: yeah, so like for me I like it makes no sense to do online sales because it just totally goes away from what we're about so Online shopping is about taking a risk on something that you're not getting any help with um, Or if you don't need help in a store you you might be able to get 20 bucks off the price or something and that's totally fine and um, but if if you're wanting to reduce that risk that something's not right with your shoe, that's like we need to have that conversation in person. We can't do that over the phone. Um, the running company, like the I guess there's a there's an overall um, owner chicken. His name is, and he's started to do like fittings via the post and via video analysis online. So, for someone, say one of his customers recently is from like this really outback town that has no shoe store in town, but still, she's still, that customer still wants to know what shoes are right for them. So, she takes some footage of herself running on a treadmill, sends it through, fills out like about a 15 minute questionnaire of like a footwear history, takes a few photos of her feet, sends them through. Chicken will send out a couple of shoes. She'll try them on, jump on the treadie with them, basically pick the most comfortable send the others back. That's how we would do an online sale. Yeah. bit different to uh, eBay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but what about someone like me always runs in the complete, the same pair, you know, get the same pair now and then. I'd much rather send you guys me 150 bucks and get you to send me up a pair rather than going down to a massive franchise to support them.
0: Well, we'd we'd appreciate that, mate. Because what you would find is that that massive franchise that's not the store that's sponsoring that local race you're entering, or yeah, it's not 100%. the store that's putting on a local run club, or doing a podiatry night, or chipping in to the um, chipping in for a local charity who's like off, uh, doing a, a charity run or something. So, like everyone sort of, it's, it's I'll use spikes as an example, but we get spikes in to the store, and this is a like spikes are so small as part of our business that we could so we would survive 100 percent without them but we get the spikes in there purely so we can offer somewhere for someone to come in and try on a spike and have a conversation with them about their athletics and we sponsor the local ballarat region athletic center like we're a financial sponsor down there so that like the local running store offers more than you you think it does so it's it's We really appreciate support from local people and and if when we receive that support we we love to give it back as well
1: Yeah, and you get that like I follow you guys just on Facebook But that sense of community is really important to you guys and you know rain hail or shine you're doing that um, That run club once a week and it's good stuff.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's what we are like we look forward to that run it's almost like there's a there's like an unwritten no dickheads policy at our run club and it's how true, we've not had one dickhead show up yet. So it's been awesome. <laughs> That's good. It, yeah. The
1: last thing I want to talk to you about, mate, is the life balance. So, you know, you're a business owner, you're an elite runner.
0: Mm. This, um, is a, this is the tricky bit, isn't it?
1: Your missus probably hates you sometimes because you're <laughs> never home. How yeah. does that work? Like, Tell me about your routines and how the week looks and the morning before work. I know you wrote a really good blog on it, which is on Runners Tribe. I'll put that in the notes. And I remember reading it and I was just nodding my head the whole time because it just – sometimes yeah. I guess people think that, you know, you're an elite runner and you don't have a life, but it's pretty hard to fit in the running sometimes.
0: Nah, there's, there's no shutting the store early and there's no saying, hey, I can't fit you in. Like to someone who wants to get a shoe at 5.45 at night and that fitting takes 45, so we're running in the middle of winter at maybe 6.30 at night or something that just doesn't happen. So at the moment, like the number one priority for me is the business. And that, I mean, we were in there six, six to seven days a week, basically. Um, it, the, the, the good thing is that we, we open the store at 10 AM. So we get there about nine 30. So that gives us a chance to run in the mornings. Um, fitting the rent the, the run in after work that's the tricky bit but really that's what takes a 100k a week runner to 160k a week runner and it's the difference between running maybe like say 230 and 220 so there's uh it has to be done basically and it we make it work but there's sacrifices on bree's end so she's um very good about allowing me to get out and run while at the same time having dinner ready for when we get home or, um, she might go in and, and shut the store and I might be able to sneak away maybe 10 minutes early and get down to a session with the guys. But training has suffered over the last, uh, six to 12 months, definitely because of the store as, as it gets more, uh, settled, we'll be able to have an employee come in and, and, it's just starting now where he can work like a day where maybe I can do my, my big workout in the middle of the day, um, but yeah, it's just so hard. Like the, the 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 post the blog post that I wrote about it, it just seemed like it nailed it for a lot of people because I had so many people sending me messages and stuff saying, "Oh, so good!" Like that's what I feel like. Like I know the struggle. <laughs> My missus is awesome. She looks after me. It made me realise how much she does, um, and it made me, I guess, feel better that there. I had guys in America sending me a message saying, "Oh, so good to hear that you're still like, still in the struggle like us." Um, so it, it really, like, I think when the runner when our runners come into the store, we can talk about how it is to sacrifice and the grind, just like just like they can and it's one of the, the good things about i guess um having the conversation with them is that we know exactly what a runner feels like when that guy goes oh the kids were up late last night so that made the the four thirty run difficult we're going oh yeah like <laughs> that's probably worse than what we've got it but i know what you're feeling
1: and that's um that that's big. Been one of the big things about this podcast. Like I asked a few people about what guests they wanted on, and it wasn't you know the Olympic guys who sit at a coffee shop and train super hard. It was how the guys that next tier fit in their training and working and family and kids and all that stuff. Like hearing about yeah. their routines to get it done.
0: Yeah, let's get some. Uh, like let's get some tips.
1: Yeah, oh, like... <laughs> I need I... as many. I just quit work a day. That was uh that's one good tip. But maybe you. Are not in a position to do that if you just start your own business i reckon
0: mm. headlamps like yeah it's, it's gonna get done in the dark no matter what over winter so you, you get a good headlamp that makes everything that little bit more comfortable uh, a little bit more safe like you'll find yourself out there a lot more in the mornings if you got something that actually makes it easier so I, I reckon like that's probably one of the real hidden secrets having a good headlamp
1: yeah And I want to finish off, mate, you got any mantras you live by?
0: Oh, uh, no.
1: Nothing, no motivational (laughs) quotes above your bed?
0: Oh, look, I just read this really cool book, like, oh, actually, no, I do, I do. It's Rod Dixon, you probably Uh, know it.
1: I think I read this one in an interview about smashing beers and training hard.
0: Yeah, all I want to do is drink beer and train like an animal.
1: You're a bit of a boutique beer fan too, aren't you? A bit of a craft beer.
0: I'm just snatching one during this interview actually.
1: Before yeah, second run.
0: the second one. The Rover Session IPA. So yeah. I've gone to mid strength so I can fit a few more in each evening without um, waking up rusty. And this yeah. is like a nice little mid strength, but it's still got flavor.
1: Yeah, no, that's good. That's yep. good. radio mate, where can people follow you online?
0: Uh, the Running Company Ballarat Facebook page. That's where I'm at. Um, Instagram, Brie runs that. She's pretty creative. She puts some cool stuff up like Rod Dixon quotes <laughs> and I do Strava as well. So Strava, like I don't, I don't try to hide workouts or anything. Whatever I do, I put it up. I put out, put down my paces and, um, there's nothing impressive enough to freaking try to hide. That's for sure.
1: And what's your handle on, um, Strava?
0: Oh, I don't know. Isn't this for your name? Just I think it's just my name. Expense. Yeah, yeah, it would be. You'll be able to find it. Ballarat. It'll come up Ballarat.
1: All right. And then about upcoming races, so Great Ocean Road, any lead up?
0: Great Ocean Road, uh, oh, depends on my back. i oh, fucked my back again, so I'm just starting to get back into it. Um,
1: hey, Rayshan who are you running for during winter?
0: The, the, the Ballarat
1: Harriers. The ba- Ballarat region. Are they still like that over there?
0: Yeah, we're in Division 2, I think. Um, so we got some climbing to do back to Division 1, so it'd be a bit sad leaving Geelong. A good bunch of guys down there everyone's super friendly and but i gotta train with the boys now race for yeah. the boys it's it's our life it's our Can't home
1: yourself in that community even more
0: yeah well i i like it it's I've, i'm already feeling like there's a there's a toughness about ballarat that you have that you don't get anywhere else it's like a little bit colder a little bit hillier everyone runs a little bit longer and they're a bit tougher
1: be cold down there today wouldn't
0: it nah shirts off mate All shirts off.
1: it's only like 25 up here i thought it'd be snowing down there today <laughs> we're not that bad oh, i don't know i'd <laughs> see the news now and then makes me cringe oh the, the winters are bad yeah what? i could only imagine yeah yeah <laughs> rightio mate um and then berlin marathon later on in the year oh
0: yeah yeah it's like berlin for sure um there's that there's there's always like a time goal set attached to a fast marathon isn't there so i'm gonna go and try and knock off a few goals there as well um we've got a real like you're going back yeah so uh you booked
1: any accommodation yet
0: uh it's it's happening as we speak we've got like three couples um that have locked and loaded on one so you might i, I think you might miss a room buddy
1: no, that's right. I've got the I've got got just before the race booked, but I'm looking for something a few days before that. But I'll have a look. It'd be all good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. We haven't no, that's right. it yet, but like it, it's there's a, from Geelong. There's like seven people going, and yeah, then it's from be awesome. um, from Ballarat, there's another five or something. So it's just going to be hard to get get it all. It'll be fun after party day.
1: Yeah, for sure. Righty, oh mate, thanks for your time. Oh,
0: thanks for having me, mate.
1: I appreciate the chat, giving up the time on the Sunday, Arvo.
0: Now it's time to go out. Ballarat tradition is a second Sunday run, so I've got to go get it done.
1: How far will you
0: go? Oh, six to ten. Yeah. Lap of the lake.
1: Big day. Nah,
0: it's not not like some of the fellas.
1: Yeah, true. Rightio, mate. have it that was julian spence had um super fun interviewing him really chilled out great chat if you get the opportunity google julian spence his runners tribe uh, colon blog that he wrote about working full-time and trying to fit that grind and that juggle in i know i really related to it and would highly recommend you having a read of that um also if you're in ballarat go down there and pick up some shoes as he said kind of support the locals and really figure out if you're wearing the right pair of shoes for your feet. I know they'd be super grateful and um, yeah, follow him on Strava and stuff and just kind of see the kind of hard effort he puts in. It'd be interesting to see how this new system for his marathon preparations go. Um, once again, really grateful that he gave up some time. He's a busy man and it was uh, good to get hold of him. Loved kind of reminiscing about our times at Melbourne Marathon where they both went disastrous for us both times. That was a, uh, good fun. Thanks for checking out the show. If you think someone might like it, just let them know. That'd be awesome. Cheers. Also, a couple of people have asked what the opening and uh, outro music is, and it's a song called On Fire by Zebrat. So Z-E-B-R-A-T. You can get it off the free music archives, and I'll um, put the link like I have been doing in the show notes for the last couple of episodes. Cheers. This is you.